Hey everybody, we have a great episode for this month. We spoke with the amazing Sheila Klinker. We had a great conversation. I learned a lot about her. I personally was uh, really interested in doing this podcast because I have seen her everywhere for my whole life and I I didn't know much about her. Uh, So we dug deep into her past. Thank you very much, Mrs. Klinker, for allowing us to do so and enjoy the podcast. So we really appreciate you being here, Mrs. Klinker. I'm excited because I don't know anything about you. And when we were... I, well, I, do you just admit that on air? I don't know you anything about you. You just admitted hey, that? You don't know anything about our state representative? I'm, I am an open book. I'm being transparent. I sincerely don't know anything about her. You could have Googled something. I could have, but I'd rather get her from and her in person. grow up. Here, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen you. That's why I want to tell you. I've seen you all my life. I went to McCutcheon. I've been here all my life. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know anything about you. And so mm-hmm. we were t- I was thinking, who can we have this month? And I, what, I saw you like three times this past week. I'm like, she'd be the perfect guest. Thank you. So thank you for uh, being here. It was definitely short notice, so we appreciate it. Happy to be here. Um, so first off. J- just for the record, I know who you are. Okay. So, Thank you, Brian. Well, okay. To be clear, I know who she is. I just don't know anything about her. I bet. I bet you, Megan. That's not. She's from Southern Indiana. Yeah. I had to be honest. I walked in this morning. I was like, "So who's going to be on our podcast?" Like. Yeah, she's from she's from down south. Yeah, I'm from Seymour, Indiana. So More. yeah, way two hours south of here. But yeah, I'm very familiar with Seymour because Baron Hill. Oh yeah. Uh, former congressman and I came into the house together. Okay. And he sat right next to me, so I heard a lot about Seymour. Yeah. And Trish Whitcomb, who was Governor Whitcomb's daughter. You remember Governor Whitcomb was Republican. Trish is a Democrat, an educator. She worked at the Department of Education for Glenda Ritz, and Trish came up to West Lafayette, drove all the way up uh, last Thursday evening, September 19th, to hear Dr. Jennifer McCormick. At West Lafayette Auditorium, oh, so we well, hear a lot a, about Seymour. Yeah, there's a little bit there, but once you know about it, you kind of get to appreciate the little town it is. There's a lot to Seymour, Indiana. <laughs> you know, it's funny because one of our partners, his wife's from Seymour, and I never even knew where Seymour was at until <laughs> yeah, I think got that, married and whatnot. Yeah, the joke is... Us people from there, we call it see less because to us, we're kind of used to it. And there's not as much to see. (laughs) We never heard that. (laughs) So just to to kick it off, where are you from, ma'am? I I grew up in Indianapolis. Um, Went to Magdalene Mary grade school and Broderpool High School, which is now closed. Uh, You'd be interested to know we had a reunion May 10th. Uh, and the French teacher wanted us to see the library, so many of us got on an elevator, which stuck on the second floor. <laughs> so Jeez. welcome back to Broderpool. Nice. Uh, the firefighters had to come and get us, but too many people, unfortunately, they all wanted to be on the same elevator, and um, we were stuck. So it was an interesting uh, reunion to go back to Broderpool, uh, and they haven't decided how to use it yet charter school or apartments or uh but it was in very very good shape except for that elevator incident <laughs> uh but Kay binford um from binford highway if you've been on 465 uh, was one of my classmates and she took pictures of all of us in the elevator and showed it on channel 13 <laughs> that evening <laughs> so, nice 
Nice. So interesting circumstances. <laughs> but uh, then my folks moved when I was 18 to uh, Lafayette, Indiana, and I really loved it. It was a smaller town, and I transferred from Butler University to Purdue University. Oh, so and you started uh, off at Butler. I started wow. off Butler. Mm-hmm. Went two years to Butler, um, pledged a sorority, Cap Alpha Theta, and uh, did some music, musical training there. Majored in elementary education there, and then they just started elementary education at Purdue, so I was able to transfer credits. Formerly, they had just taught secondary folks in science and math, and then they, um, in the 60s, 59, 60s, started uh, actually to have elementary education classes. Interesting. Then okay. I, I went back to school. Back when I graduated, you had to have a master's within five years. So I went back for my master's, taught several years, and then went back for an administrator and uh, administrative license uh, and curriculum supervision uh, and turned down a couple of principalships um, in order to stay in the house because you had to decide one or the other. A couple of people tried to do both, and it just didn't work out. Um, when you're a principal, you ought to be there yeah, <laughs> all the time. So um, I have remained uh, running for the House for several years. My two roommates, Senator Bowser from Michigan City and Erlene Rogers, Senator Rogers from Gary, all started at the same time with uh, Representative Baron Hill from Seymour. Uh, we were all freshmen, and they decided to go to the Senate when people left, but um, Senator Alting was our senator and Senator Gary, and frankly, I didn't want to run against Senator Alting when he replaced Senator Gary, so I stayed in the House of Representatives. Okay. And I run every two years. So so to back up a little bit, when you graduated Purdue, where did you go from there? Okay, I went uh, to uh, actually taking the place of a gal who was expecting a baby, Klondike Elementary, first grade. Um, and I went in February because I sang in Florida for a bicentennial with Dr. Al Stewart, who started the Purdue Glee Club. Uh, and we had a group, the Griffiths Brothers from Oxford, uh, who became the singing sergeants um, and sang at uh, Eisenhower's a presidential. Uh, they were part of the Air Force, uh, the Griffiths Brothers, Bill, Jim, Dave, and Bob, uh, and so we did a bicentennial. So I was able to come back because Kay DeFilippo wanted uh, 125 days credit at Klondike. So I was able to finish the year for her and then went to third grade at Edgley. Edgley had 1,200 students at that time because of the south part of Lafayette um, having so many homes. They called it the Indian Reservation. Yeah. Uh, I taught at Miami School um, from Edgelia because uh, of 1,200 people at Edgelia. It was the second largest school in the United States uh, compared to a school in California. So they figured too many kids, 1,200 children were too many for an elementary school. So Don Fitzgerald, the assistant principal, moved to Miami, and I moved with him to third grade, taught third grade. Uh, several years, and then the uh, two gentlemen 
Mr. Minnick and Mr. Deer, um, who was a, a hero from World War II, um, had been a prisoner of war. And uh, Mr. Deer really didn't want to teach music and the arts and some of uh, the language classes, so they asked me, since I was a coach, if I would come up to sixth grade. So I went up to sixth grade uh, for about 25 years, and then sixth grade went to Tecumseh Middle School, they called it then. Um, and so I taught sixth grade at Tecumseh Middle School. And at that time, um, I think Dr. Cahill, my principal, thought that the sixth graders probably were too young to be with the middle school folks. <laughs> Uh, so they built a wing just for the sixth graders, and um, I was asked to, because I had gone back for administrator's license at both elementary and secondary, I was asked by the principal to go up to eighth grade because Mr. Grettencourt, who was a great English teacher, left in the middle of the year, so I took over eighth grade. So I taught eighth grade 10 years, so altogether about 35 years teaching. Then I went to Purdue, um, to teach reading recovery with Dr. Mary Beth Schmidt, um, who was a familiar name here, Cassidy, big family. Um, and Mary Beth had a program called Reading Recovery, which was a very good program, 18-week program where you work with students who could not read. Hmm. Um, and I had uh, children with Mrs. Reinert at Miami School, um, went back uh, interestingly enough, uh, to uh, the place where I had taught and uh, worked with children that um, could not read, actually, and their parents did not want them retained in kindergarten, so I worked with them, and uh, they had to read in front of the school board, which was a little scary, uh, but they wanted to prove that this program worked. But it was an expensive program because it was one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately, um, uh, Purdue does not have that program, but they have the strategies that um, were included in reading recovery. They still use those strategies, but it's not one-on-one. Uh, and interestingly enough, Brian Breslin, if you're familiar with Breslin Arena at Michigan State, that's the basketball, yeah, like Katie Court and mm-hmm. so on, um, Brian Breslin was the coach's son who worked with the Meyer folks, and they were just starting Meyer's stores in Indiana. Um, of course, we have several here, uh, but he was building one out on 26. That was the first one. Uh, was building some in Indianapolis around the state, and he came to the legislature and said, is there anything I can do for you? Uh, because we're willing to give checks, not Personally, yeah. I wouldn't have taken that, but um, he said, is there anything that you would like for us to fund at Purdue University? And I said, well, yes, we would like a behind the glass to watch teachers working with these students so that our elementary education folks can see how this is working. So he built us a behind the glass, um, actually a um, whole facility there on the fourth floor of the Bering Hall, Um, And he said, um, I know that you have uh, some uh, certain plans that have already been drawn up, and how much was that? 
And I said, well, I think it was $29,385. He said, that's exactly what we'll give you. (laughs) (laughs) And and he came to see the students, the elementary education students, using these strategies and was very impressed and said he was going to take it back to Michigan State. Uh, So that was an an interesting um, circumstance where, uh, you know, someone from um, another university, really, a very active with the Meyer brothers, Doug and Fred Meyer. He was sent here to start because he was a popular basketball player, too. Um, played for his father at the Breslin Arena and was willing to help educators. So that was a, a, a great a circumstance and uh, certainly one that I'll I'll remember. We appreciate the fact that he did that. Now, unfortunately, it's turned into offices um, at Purdue because they needed a lot of office space. But uh, the strategies are still alive and well, and they're using those strategies uh, in elementary education on uh, how to capture reading difficulties and work with them. So that's just one of the interesting things that happens to you as a state rep yeah you know if you're working in another area you have a steel trap for a mind the names you're remembering the times i'm 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 jealous i can't even remember everybody like like you are i mean that but is now remember i was a teacher and those kids switched it's to come to every six weeks from our, you know so with, with that being said i mean I hate glancing over. I mean, you're, that's 35 years of touching. I don't even, I can't even put a number on the amount of lives, you know, and just to be like, yeah, I was a teacher for 35 years. And I, it's just, I hate making it so simple. You know, when you say that, because you just, the amount, you know, the people you've touched and well, the and good the, you've brought. And the people that you didn't necessarily have in your classroom, like me, when I was at Miami Elementary, I wasn't fortunate enough to have you as a teacher. <laughs> Everybody wanted you as a teacher. Thank you, Brian. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was... I had wonderful students. I had Doug Downing, the quarterback at Purdue, um, who unfortunately um, injured himself and couldn't play in the finals at Jeff um, by just having fun at Miami School practicing with a group of folks, you know, coming over Mm -hmm. during vacation time. Um, Doug was a wonderful young man, all the Downing folks, and Bob is a city councilman. I had his children. Wow. Um, Joe, Doug, and uh, his older son, Brett, and I enjoyed certainly, um, or excuse me, Kurt, uh, enjoyed being with those students, Tony Albrecht that's president of Lafayette Bank and Trust was a great baseball player. I had him in class and several other folks that have remained in the city and have been uh, leaders in in the city. And I've enjoyed that, uh, certainly watching them succeed in the community. Has, hasn't it been amazing to see the city grow? I mean, from then. So you, you taught me something. I actually, uh, when I was in kindergarten to second grade, I went to Edgelia. My parents lived on Holly Drive, and oh, our, na- our neighbor was actually Tom Murtaugh. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, That's interesting. so uh, he's known me since I was very little. But mm-hmm. I've always wondered why Miami and Edgelia were so close. 
That's so why. That ex- that explains it. Mm-hmm. See, 1,200 I'm, students. I knew you'd be an amazing guest. Thank you. I'm so I'm so excited. I'm yeah. learning. No, it's great, and uh, it's just it's just awesome to hear your your career, and you're still going strong too. Thank you. 100. percent You were everywhere, everywhere. All the events. Um, this was a busy weekend. I bet we had the the cupcake public education, uh, followed by hunger hike, uh, followed by. Uh, immigrant allies at Columbian Park, um, but I, w- I would say Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, were very active days in the community. The POWMIA uh, program at uh, Columbian Park was not as well attended as they would have liked because of art on the Wabash and several other things yeah. coming uh, to the community, <coughs> but uh, it was uh, certainly an interesting time. A gentleman whose dad at 39 was shot down and they haven't found, they found several of the people from Vietnam, but not his father. Um, and he gave a speech about being one of five children, the youngest, and having a father that was lost at 39 years of age. Wow. And being the youngest, and what they had to do, had to move, and um, their life was certainly not, not the same after her dad was shot down. But uh, those circumstances, I think, all bring to, to light um, POWMIAs and uh, how we ought to remember that. And uh, it certainly will be the beginning of this program in the future. Um, Gene is, is working very hard to try to have that those folks remembered at the VFW, Veterans of Foreign Wars. Yeah, absolutely. That is definitely important you uh yeah so so to back up can you put a time frame like a year on when you started just so i can get it in my mind when you started teaching so when did you start teaching before like miami was a thing uh 1960 61 that era that time um i had um believe it or not with um Betty Nelson, our dean of students at Purdue, and Cecilia Zissis. Um, there were several women who were very strong. Uh, dean Schleman, Barbara Cook, Betty Nelson, who's still um, alive and well and active in the community in United Way. Um, these folks uh, interviewed me and with Al Stewart um, chose me to go to the Miss Indiana contest which I did not want to do. <laughs> but Al Stewart, who is very dynamic, that started the Glee Club, said, you will go and you will be interviewed by these dean uh, students, um, these four women, and um, what they say goes. So, you know, if they choose you, fine. If they don't, fine. So I got a call from Dean Zissis, um, who is a short little gal, uh, very dynamic, and she said, uh, I know you don't want to go. I know you're too short to win. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. Dean says, please don't, please don't make me sure. She said, Al Stewart, Dr. Stewart says you are going, and um, you you will win uh, probably with your, your uh, baritone uke and singing your calypsos. Uh, you probably will at least get the scholarship for um, talent. And so you are going to go. So that was a, a huge 
uh, situation in my life. Um, my mother went with me to Michigan City at that time. The contest was in Michigan City. Switched to later Terre Haute because the mayor uh, of Michigan City thought that it was um, uh, too, I would say, restricted to bathing suits and that type of thing. She was not happy with that, so it went to Terre Haute. Now it's in Zionsville. Huh. Um, so it's been interesting to watch the progression of that particular situation uh, for Miss Indiana. But it was a great, it was a wonderful circumstance and teaching and learning uh, situation that I think probably, and the reason I tell you this story, I think it helped me run for office uh, because I was asked by Mr. Teeter, Dan Teeter and Don Teeter, local folks' father, Lawrence Teeter, who was very well known, a former Navy um, commander. And um, he asked me to speak at the Rotary where there were very few women. I think Mayor Marjoram and one other person was there. And I thanked him so much for giving me the background that really was very difficult at that time as a young person, you know, running uh, for Miss Indiana and having to answer questions and be on tap for several different things. I thanked him, and he got up and slammed his fist on the table right in front of me and said, but I didn't prepare you to be a <clears throat> Democrat. Oh, <laughs> everybody. Uh, so then I learned uh, about partisanship a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that prepared me. I bet. <laughs> um, and and I told him that I I ran on the Democratic ticket, even though my dad was um, a Taft uh, person. He thought Dewey was too liberal. And my mother went to school with Al Smith, the mayor of New York, Democrat, with 10 children, like my mother was one of 10, uh, Irish folks. Um, her father was an immigrant, Irish immigrant, that came over and started a Catholic bookstore and then a, a famous rare book and autograph shop <laughs> in New York City near St. Patrick's Cathedral. So my mother had an interesting background and was a Democrat and married this gentleman who was in the livestock business and worked with farmers who was a Republican. So I heard it all at our dining room table. And I think <laughs> maybe that's made me a moderate. <laughs> um, but that that's my background, and I ran for office because of Mayor Reilly of Lafayette, 24-year mayor, along with Mayor Marjoram. Uh, Jim was Democratic chairman of the party, and Sonia was vice chair, and they were both mayors, kind of like Mayor Rosaworski yeah. and Mayor Dennis, mm -hmm. kind yep. of the same situation. Yep. Um, so that happened in, so you were a teacher for 35 years, yeah. so that happened around what, 95? Well, that, that happened oh, in 80. 82 while I was yeah. still teaching. I oh, taught okay. till 95, 96. Oh, wow. Year. So okay. I was, Dual uh, duties it, that. Was, oh. it was a little controversial for a teacher to run for office, um, but because we, did not have money for special education, and the chairman of Ways and Means that I ran against uh, did not like federal funds, even though Senator Luger, Richard Luger, who we, we really um, admire so much, was trying to get dollars for special education and other programs in Indiana. 
but the chairman of Ways and Means at that time did not want federal funds because you might have to match them with state funds. And he was chairman of Ways and Means. You know, many times when you accept federal funds, you have to have some type of a match. Gotcha. Well, when the dollars come to the state, um, and he was not in favor of that, so it created some problems with the education community. Uh, and well, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I ran for office. Now, uh, you have to understand, this was a nine, an eight-letter man, at eight or nine-letter gentleman from Jefferson High School who played lots of sports and played football at Purdue and was a pharmacist in this local community with Goodnight Drugstore um, and chairman of Ways and Means. So it was a, a difficult thing, and really, I did not want to do this. <laughs> to be honest with you, I did not want to run. But I admire Jim really so much, and he came to <coughs> our home with two other folks, Joe Krause, who was a teacher at West Side of history and government, and a couple of other people came to our house to talk about it. And I had uh, three teenagers. Carrie was a senior cheerleader at Jeff. Kevin was a junior. Um, and Kelly was at Tecumseh. So they came, so they talked to Vic, my husband. They said, Vic, we want Sheila to run. We know that you are active on the park board, but that's really all you, you're interested in, along with being a builder. We'd like for Sheila to run. What do you think? And he said, I think she should run. And I'll be glad to take up the slack or whatever, you know, as she's doing, taking the children back and forth to school and so on. Um, and so that was a shock because I, you know, these kids were all very active in school. Uh, but he was very supportive. And So you didn't actually, you weren't seeking to do it. They no. came to you. I, I wasn't. <laughs> uh, in fact, um, I had a, a lot of encouragement from other teachers uh, throughout the state because I'd been active, so to speak, teacher politics. Uh, I was president of the Lafayette Education Association, um, had been, uh, and had been part of the negotiating team for nine years. So I had a background of negotiations and and leadership in LEA and that kind of spurred it. So they mainly came to you because they wanted you to represent for teachers? Mm -hmm. okay. Education. So this would have been about 1985? 82. Oh, 82? Mm -hmm. 82. Yeah. See, I went through CYO with Kelly for okay. several years. It's through St. Mary's. What's CYO? Ah. Yeah, youth organization. Oh. So Kind of getting back to the controversial part of teachers running for public office. What was yes. the what was the stigma with that then? What, why was that such an issue with teachers actually running for well, public I office? Well, I think because you had to get a leave of absence. Now they could not deny that, like you know, if if you're working in city government or something, you want to run for another office. Usually, they do not deny that um, because that's you know public domain, your uh, freedom of speech, First Amendment. Yep. Uh, so 
uh, really, they, they cannot deny you the right to do that. They may discourage you, but they can't deny you the right to run. So I, I was encouraged by uh, a lot of educators at all levels, so I appreciated that uh, because I was, if I won, which they didn't think I would do, at least, um, you know, I, I would receive a leave of absence and have um, good people following what I did, and I was very fortunate that every sub that I had was able to seek a job in Lafayette School Corporation. They received um, a job. Mrs. Reinerd and um, and Duane uh, Cross, uh, that's a phys ed teacher, and several others. Um, the girls, uh, softball coach Lamar Simmons, uh, one of the first African Americans to teach at Tecumseh, um, and and the. Lamar was very quiet and soft-spoken, just scared the kids to death. So he had great discipline. <laughs> he's now, he's still the soccer coach. Lamar uh, teaches phys ed at Jeff. So I was very fortunate. I had uh, wonderful people that uh, needed jobs at that time. Uh, teaching was a profession that uh, people sought. Fortunately, well, we've got to get back there. This is we're having difficulty in a shortage of teachers, but there's no longer credit for the masters, and there's no professional development. There is professional development, but you're not paid for it. Like some of the f folks have to have now 15 hours of going out into factories, career counseling training, uh, CPR, suicide prevention. Teachers are expected to do a lot today, um, and. It's difficult with all the tests. But yet they, they have to do it on their own time? Yes. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Uh, In things, a nutshell, I mean, do you... Uh, things just have changed. It, it changed, actually, under um, Governor Daniels' uh, regime. Uh, during eight years there, they um, were short of money, as you know, 2008, 2009. We had a reception, so they um, did away with the master's and, and the professional development money, too, because they just, some school corporations, particularly smaller school corporations that were not growing, just didn't have money mm. to pay for those categories of masters. So uh, no longer, now, some school corporations still um, encourage you to get a master's, but they, they don't pay you for it. Uh, now, what we see now with the shortage coming is that school Corporations, when they lose a teacher, are kind of picking off teachers from other areas. So there's competition yeah, there. Yeah, competition. Well, that's the uh -huh. same in our world. I mean, in the police world, everybody's hurting for numbers, and they're all fighting for resources. So even yeah, law at the, enforcement's going through the same type of thing. Yep, absolutely. That, yeah, that teachers' uh, education is same. Yeah, same situation. So even the substitute teachers, I think, uh, I mean, I've coached um, for years um, in the TSC Corporation, but even for substitute teachers, it used to be a requirement you'd had to have a bachelor's degree, and that's, that's not the case anymore. No, in fact, uh, they, were, they are hiring folks. I know at um, Tech in Indianapolis, they hired a young lady that was a biology major that worked at Lilly, and she wanted to try teaching at Tech High School, 
and they hired her right away because of her uh, science background. Mm -hmm. She did not have any pedagogy background or any uh, teaching instruction formally. So it's gotten to the place where we are accepting people, um, in some cases, without full degrees. Mm That have associate degrees. I don't necessarily, me personally, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, though. If you have the experience, you know, you have it. So in that example right there, she has that experience. She has that probably that hands-on, hands-on experience, not just the book experience. And I guarantee she probably can teach just the same, if not better. I mean, my, she, my, was, she was successful. Yeah. Uh, but there are many who do not have that background of management in a classroom and let me tell you in today's world you have to like police officers you have to have a background of management not just curriculum but you have to be able to know how to handle some very interesting cases in the classroom uh, and it's not getting any easier it's getting tougher my daughter but, teaches second grade at Edgelia mm-hmm. uh, AP accelerated program and there are seven, several children in that classroom that are very bright but have very interesting emotional problems. Yeah. But, I mean, where do you get that experience, though? It's not in the... Well, you probably ought to have a, a short time of student teaching. Oh, okay. You ought to be in... A, I, I had almost a full year of student teaching in Kokomo. Um, at Bonaire in Kokomo, which was um, in the Stellite region, the north part of Kokomo, not a wealthy, um, I would say middle socioeconomic, if not uh, lower. Um, And it was a great beginning uh, because I understood some of the problems. Gotcha. I didn't even think about that. And you you probably can only get that when you're in college, right? Yeah, going through that student teaching portion of it, yeah. Well, they do have a transition program at Purdue, an 18-month transition program that my daughter went through because she graduated in communications, thinking Kelly, who thought she was going to be the next Jane Pauley. You know, I'm just kidding. But, you know, she (laughs) thought communications because she sang quite a bit in the trio and and sang at Jeff in the first edition, the first first edition that they had. Um, so she was interested in communications, but she went back uh, and decided she would teach, and so she went through a program called Transition to Teaching. So even though you might have gotten a degree in something else, they do have a program that does help our young people that maybe decide they want to go into teaching. So going back to uh, when you became state representative in the 80s, correct? Mm-hmm, 80s, mm-hmm. Well, I guess... I don't know. I don't follow politics. Uh, what exactly are your job duties? I mean, what do you what are you doing on a regular basis? Well, uh, I attend many grand openings uh, and uh, certainly programs such as the Cupcake Walk yesterday <laughs> morning uh, at nine o'clock, and then uh, Alan was there. Hike. Alan, Alan's was got running. something to say about that. I ran, I ran the ten k. <laughs> How'd you do? Uh, an hour and one minute. Boy, that's really good. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> now, I, I couldn't stay at that because Kelly and I were singing at the Hunger Hike, the Star Spangled Banner. And 
So Tom was at that. <laughs> so there was a lot. And then Art on the Wabash and then uh, Immigrant Allies um, had a program uh, to work with our immigrants here locally. Margaret Haas is in charge of that. Uh, and uh, that was a, an important meeting, too, for some people that were new to our community. Um, we had 90 people that w received their citizenship at the White Horse uh, Church in uh, West Lafayette Friday afternoon. So there are so many things. The Global Fest was Saturday uh, from 4 to 10. Uh, Mayor Dennis and I were, were there because I do have the west side, and I have that area over to actually the Union. I have uh, that part, the, old, the, the new Chauncey neighborhood, um, part of the Union, part of the Veterans Home. Uh, Representative Campbell and I share that. Uh, so we have west side Happy Hollow area. Uh, Kelly happens to live in Happy Hollow, so I told her. I told her at least I should get uh, four votes from that household <laughs> <laughs> um, because they're uh, they're old enough to vote. And interestingly enough, uh, her neighbor is Chief Jason Demkowski, who put a sign in her yard. <laughs> interesting you know sometimes you work in bipartisan ways and Kelly's not very politically or her husband uh, Ken who's from Brookville Illinois um, they're not particularly politically motivated and neither their children so uh, Jason's their neighbor um, yeah. so that that was an interesting situation to watch that race also uh, and uh, fortunately, I didn't have to be a part of that that race. Uh, for sheriff is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah for yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Dr. Wyda's um, daughter is married to Jason Demkowski, and he happens to be um, Vic's doctor and my doctor. Uh, so, you know, there are some uh, situations there that are Interesting. He had Jason Demkowski sign in his doctor's, um, which used to be Pickerel, Wida, and Sangrath. It's now uh, Wida and Wida. His daughter-in-law is a chiropractor, and she took over uh, Dr. Sangrath's area. But he had a Demkowski sign and a Clinker sign in the same yard. <laughs> so th those are things that happen in Lafayette. Um, because uh, actually, it's a pretty bipartisan area. It really is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have Tony Rosorski, the mayor of Lafayette. Uh, Kevin, my son, is a councilman at large, um, along with Ron Campbell and Lon Heidi and uh, Nancy Nargi and that whole group. Um, but we have a firefighter that's a Republican from the South End that's very popular uh, with everyone. And uh, on the west side, um, you have uh, John Dennis, who's a Republican with a Democratic council that he gets along with pretty well, along with uh, Jerry Keene and Norris Wang and some other folks. Uh, but this community is very unusual in that they work very closely together, really. You don't see much partisan like you do in other areas. It's... Um, 
different. In fact, people who visit here, uh, Jennifer McCormick, Dr. McCormick, from, that's the superintendent of public instruction, said that Lafayette, West Lafayette, Tipton County is different than other counties that she's gone to to speak. Very pro-education. Um, Rocky Killian is a um, Republican. He'll tell you registered Republican, uh, but works with all of us, both Democrat and Republicans, for education, along with many of our other superintendents. Well, clearly something must must be uh, the right mix because I mean Lafayette's growing, West Side's growing. Yes, I mean the the communities are flourishing, and mm -hmm. I think it's a great place to live. Obviously, I stayed here; I've been here all my life. But uh, so, if that's your West Side boundary, what's your East boundary? Well, I used to have all the South End. Mm -hmm. In uh, I, I have been probably gerrymandered <laughs> three times. Eighty one allowed me to win, actually, because it included Miami School and we had two, four, and six, um, which Stan Jones had pri uh, uh, previously, and um, Dick Mangus, whose nickname was Moose Cat, he was a runner at Purdue, was the fellow that drew, you know, the legislators always drew to dis the districts. Mm -hmm. So he came over to me after I won, and he said, I just want you to know, Clinker, I caused you to win. <laughs> I said, you did? Okay, Representative, uh, why, why did you say that? He said, because your opponent, Representative Long, did not want Stan Jones to have the south end of Lafayette any longer. So, because Stan lived in the west side, right behind West Lafayette High School. And he saw no reason for Stan to have that district, that new, you know, Indian Reservation district. So... We changed that, and we took Stan Jones out of that and put Bill Long. And, of course, you taught there 25 years when you ran. So you went door to door, and a lot of those students, folks, uh, voted for you because they, they didn't know Bill. I mean, Bill was chairman of Ways and Means. He was a very popular guy, but he didn't go door to door, and he didn't go to things. Mm -hmm. He had very bad knees from football. So with, with education being at the core of who you are, what, mm -hmm. are, what are some of the most, most proud legislative things that, that you look to in your career? I would say the Guardian Latum CASA program. Um, the chairman of judiciary didn't want to hear that. We worked on that eight years. Uh, Randy Shepard, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, before Justice Dixon, Brent Dixon from West Lafayette, now Loretta Rush, from our area, um, Justice Shepard was very pro Guardian Lina Casa, and his representative was Vanita Becker. Uh, the chairman of judiciary didn't want to hear it in the House. He left and went to the Senate. His son is now Senate Majority Leader, interestingly enough. But Vanita and I were a chairman of Human Affairs and Family and Children, and we were 50-50 in the House, and we heard the bill. Uh, together the same day, uh, and were able to pass that and send it over to Ed Pease, who later was Congressman Ed Pease, that followed uh, Congressman John Myers, who served for 38 years in Congress uh, from the Covington area. In fact, just a little 
note, he's doc, he was Dr. John Layton, our assistant superintendent of Lafayette School Corporation's neighbor, uh, which was interesting in Covington, being a small area. Uh, Dr. Layton talks about those days. But um, John was a very bipartisan person that uh, worked with all of us for railroad relocation. You know, you can go down Fifth Street without being caught by a train because of John Myers and Jim Reilly. Yep. And that's that's true. Liz Olberg. Um, so we, like you said, we've had a lot of bipartisan work uh, that's occurred uh, in this area, and uh, I think that's why we're successful. But um, my gra- my background in education, um, I think, led to the Guardian Lightum Casa and uh, Loretta Rush, our Chief Justice now. Um, was very involved uh, in the Guardian Lightum Casa program after it started. We were able to get $800,000 from a bipartisan Pat Bauer from South Bend and Pat Kiley from Anderson. Uh, in fact, Lisa Kiley Decker that ran for mayor against Tony is Pat Kiley's first cousin. Um, you know, all these, yep. Indiana small, really. <laughs> when you get, um, but Pat at 28 years of age, was chairman of Ways and Means because I beat Bill Long. And he's always accused me of of stopping his rush for governor because he had to raise taxes. At that time in 82, uh, Reagan won in 80, if you remember, and times were tough, like 2008 and 82, we were going through a recession. Um, and uh, Pat had to raise taxes from 1.9 to 3.4, which we have lowered our income tax. He had to raise sales taxes from four to five at the time. Uh, and uh, he said he was not a p- very popular fellow because he has had to raise taxes in Indiana, but actually he did the right thing. And we were able to get $1.9 billion. Our surplus is uh, really tremendous in this state. Uh, and I must say, because, uh, you know, Mitch Daniels watched... Um, the dollars and had to cut a lot of things um, that gradually maybe are are coming back a little with higher education funding and so on. But uh, it really, at that time, because of the strain, uh, we cut a lot of corporate taxes. We went from 8.5 down to 6.5, and uh, we're at 4.9 now. So a lot of the dollars that came in previously are are dwindling a little bit. And that's why you don't see education funding lifted quite a bit right now. And law enforcement, a lot, a lot of different areas. Uh, but I would say uh, Guardian Lightum Casa working uh, with the judges in the state. Um, and uh, we had what we call a first steps. First Steps is zero to two program for handicapped children where our folks uh, that are trained go into the home, uh, not just DCS, but other folks that are trained to help disabled children. It's a great program. And then three to five, preschool for handicapped children. We did fund that. We didn't fund preschool for all children, but um, pre-K all the way, they call it. Uh, we did fund preschool for handicapped 
children, knowing that it made a huge difference from three to five. Zero to two, three to five, those programs are first steps in preschool. And we passed that during Governor Bayh's uh, term uh, and Governor O'Bannon helped with those dollars for education. Uh, so I'd say the Guardian Latum CASA program, along with the other two that I mentioned, probably have meant the most to me. Um, and I received a, a wonderful award Friday. I drove to French Lick uh, because Loretta Rush, our Chief Justice, had, um, along with the judges from Tippecanoe County, had put me up for what they call a Champion of Justice <laughs> Award. Um, should have brought it to show you. Just got it Friday, uh, a nice little blue uh, crystal plaque. And the other person that received that was um, Senator Randy Head, who we think is going to run for a judge, but he's now the deputy prosecutor of Pulaski County. And he was helping in the prosecutor's office in Cass County, but then his wife became the prosecutor. <laughs> okay, so little conflict of interest there. He had to move to another county. So that, that's, uh, that was a wonderful um, award that I really appreciated, and that was Friday at French Lick. Well, it's well-deserved. It I mean, Thank you. Again, you've, <laughs> man, you've worked hard for many, many years. So with that being said, when are you going to hang it up? Do you have any well, plans? <laughs> I'm asked that by many people. Are you? I'm just curious. I, I mean, um, but I feel like this is what keeps you going, right? Is well, that fair to say? I mean, you know, I really enjoy it. And and Vic's been through three open heart surgeries, um, and is still very supportive. Um, he's gotten a new knee from Dr. Hagen, a double hernia last year. Uh, he's been through a lot, and um, he's. Um, at St. Anthony's right now going through rehabilitation. He's also on Coumadin, which is a blood thinner that's very iffy, and they have to watch him mm -hmm. uh, 24 hours. But um, he's extremely supportive still um, and says, don't quit, don't quit. <laughs> but that's um, I'm asked that all the time, and I, I would like to run uh, one more time at least uh, because we're in the midst of some educational situations here in the state that and i'm on the education interim study committee that met last week uh they've met twice now and we're going to meet again on issues of testing i learn which is uh, really taking up teachers time mm -hmm. parents time it's just um absolutely too much as you know all the scores dropped because they didn't know what was going to be on the test um, and, and we're working in the midst of that, and I'm a part of that decision-making, and we're hoping to change that whole modus operandi of uh, when you're testing, how much you're testing, what teachers have to do outside of the classroom, which is a new mandate. They have to be in, go out in 15 years in manufacturing area for career counseling and understand, along with CPR, suicide prevention, uh, lots of different areas uh, that they have to become experts in, so to speak. So um, I would certainly like to run one more time. What's interesting, and I'll share this with you folks, is that um, Tracy Brown is the chairman of the Republican Party, 
and I think he was looking at running for this position. We're trying to talk him out of it. <laughs> uh, Tracy and I have been friends for years. His wife's a teacher, like I am, English teacher. Um, and uh, it, it's just interesting, you know, you, you hear rumors, so to speak. Um, and so uh, we're going to have coffee someday soon and talk about if he'd like to run out. Tracy's a great county, a county commissioner. Uh, along with David Byers and Tom Murtaugh, yep. which you grew up with. Yes. Um, and Tracy, if you look at the schedule of dollars and cents, uh, the commissioners make about $61,000. I make eighteen, and have to drive to Indianapolis quite a bit. What would you choose? Would you choose staying home being a commissioner, or would you run for state rep? Are you going to start the conversation out like that? That might, <laughs> that might, that might quickly end it. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know what commissioners made. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, because they're there every day and very actively involved in county government, they, uh, they have raised their salary, and the people think they deserve it, you know, or they wouldn't have raised it. Yeah. The county council decides that. Um, and so... Uh, you know they they work very hard, uh, and so because they're Johnny on the spot every day, and we're citizen legislators. Now, you know I'm very actively involved every day, as you as you know. I go to quite a few things and um, do quite a bit in the community as well as the state level. Uh, but because we're citizen legislators, we made eleven thousand six hundred dollars for years. Up until about four or five years ago, until they raised it to eighteen thousand. Now we do get per diem. <clears throat> if you're there and you stay, you know, uh, living there, because we have a lot of people from Southern Indiana and Northwest Indiana that are in completely different times. Yeah. Uh, so they tend to stay there, and they're paid uh, for the dollars and cents that they spend living there, uh, and that's outside the eighteen thousand dollars. But uh, it is not uh, a very high-paying position. Let me well, say that. Well, he, here's how I kind of look at this, and I think anybody that might be thinking about um, at some point in time filling your shoes, that's got to be pretty intimidating for anyone. I mean, for for a public leader in this community, I think you've set the bar pretty high. Thank you. I with, appreciate with that. With regards you. to your level of commitment and how engaged you are in the community, just, I mean, last night I, we were just sitting around watching football, my wife and I, and I said, you know, we got Sheila Klinker on the podcast tomorrow. What would you ask her? What would you ask her? And she's like, how? How, how do you, how do you, I mean, you're everywhere and you're so engaged in the greater Lafayette community with every function that, that is, is possibly there. And it's genuine. I mean, it's genuine when, when, you. when you're, when you're there and people meet you. So. I, I think anybody that I would either think about running Brian. against you or <laughs> filling your shoes when you decide to retire, those are those are really big shoes to fill. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, they'll, I'm, I know there'll be quite a few people looking at that position, which, you know, is, is a good thing. Um, several people have said that they're interested in running in the future, which is great because money is not the issue to them. Serving the public is. 
Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't have gone into teaching if money was a criteria because I did give up two principalships. Durgan was offered Durgan by Dr. Eiler and uh, Oakland Elementary at the time. Uh, but Dr. Eiler did make a stipulation that if I took the principalship, I would give up being a state rep. Um, and I agreed with that because I was a coach and my principal was there at the ball games after school mm-hmm. as much as he could be, Don Fitzgerald. Uh, and that's important to be present. So, uh, Mayor Reilly, I discussed this at length with him and with Tom Heidi, who was the chairman of the Democratic Party at the time. Uh, real at that time, and not always a popular person, but <laughs> certainly uh, one that ran a, a pretty good um, party at that time, worked very hard. And um, he was an attorney, uh, Heidi Sandy and Deeds, I think was the name of the law firm at the time. Uh, and uh, Tom said, you've only served just a few years, uh, and you really don't get things done until you've been there a while. And John Myers would tell you the same thing um, about being a congressman, that when he first went, nobody knew his name, and he'd call up to get something done, and nobody listened to him. After about 25 years, 30 years, uh, yes, sir, (laughs) uh, congressman, what what do you need in your area? So, you know, uh, longevity does give you uh, some background knowledge that you need to have in order to get things done. So um, I I think uh, that was probably a very good decision that I made at the time, but it was very difficult because you have to think of your family. uh, And probably uh, I would have gotten uh, received a much higher pension (laughs) (laughs) than I'm receiving now. Uh, as a teacher, you know, I taught about 35 years, and I get about $1,651 a month retirement. Um, and uh, hopefully the police officers' pensions are certainly try to vote for police pensions and judges' pensions. That will c- create um, incentive for people to go into that profession. Uh, but we get what you call a 13th check. And that's around the last of September, um, which is about $400 uh, as a 13th check. They call it a COLA, but it's not a COLA, you know, um, which a COLA goes on your dollars that you receive each year, like a 3% COLA. Um, Cost of living increase is what they call that COLA. We get a check, 13th check. Um, now, the House Ways and Means did pass a COLA two years ago, but the Senate wouldn't hear it. So that cost of living increase that teachers have worked for has never been passed. Uh, other states surrounding us do have it, although Illinois is in trouble with their pensions because they don't get um, Social Security. But the pensions that they pay for teachers uh, that are working in the profession, a much larger salary. We've just lost a teacher locally here that went to Illinois for $10,000 more. 
but their pensions are in trouble. Mm. You'll hear that and see that. So the, the 13th check is what teachers received rather than a cost of living increase. And that's something that a lot, many retired teachers continue to work on, trying to get a small COLA that will go on their pensions for the future. The 13th check, they just give you the dollars, which all the teachers appreciate. They're great about writing thank you notes, I might add, but it does not go on their pension for the future, which a cost of living does. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's just one of the things that retired teachers have been working on. Any questions over on that side of the room for <clears throat> Sheila? Just soaking it all in. Absolutely. Yeah, I well, think it's been great, like, hearing about all your experience and even, like, even though you've been a teacher for 35 years, you're still doing and reaching out to the community by reading to the kids and, like, wanting mm-hmm. to have that impact even though you're not a teacher. You're still there and present and wanting to make a difference. Well, I do read to succeed at Miller School. I, I live at 6th and Kasuth, um, and Miller, you know, is right down the street. I go to Kiwanis at 7 because um, I'm on their, their board of directors, Harrison Kiwanis, every Monday morning. So I leave Harrison Kiwanis, and I, I joined that Kiwanis club because I could go to that and then go to the state house and, and not my, miss Kiwanis. Then I go to Mrs. Summer's class, fourth grade at Miller School. Um, and um, Miller School has changed dramatically in the children. Uh, that they have, I mean, that are attending Miller School. Um, it just used to be the Highland Park area, uh, Highland Park kids. Many of them are going to Edgelia because it's an accelerated program. Uh, so a lot of diversity at Miller School, which is really important for folks to see from the community. And so we have several different folks that are business folks in this community, uh, like Tim Powers, uh, date books, school date books, that are coming in and uh, listening to children read, which is very important. And I think it's important to the children. Um, I bring them little Indiana State flags and pins and so on, and um, they, they enjoy that. They enjoy somebody from outside coming in uh, that they know they see in the community. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's important for children to know uh, that outsiders do care about what they do in school. And so I, uh, Mr. Lauk has a convocation lots of Monday mornings where he reads a book to them and talks about behavior. And I go in there uh, at that time with Mrs. Patterson, Mr. Lauk, and and talk to the children um, um, once in a while. You know, we'll have some type of an activity. And I appreciate the fact that they work really hard to reach the kids in the area. It is absolutely important, and, and we appreciate you being a part of it. And we appreciate you being here. I've had a good time learning. Um, Thank you. I, I probably I, told you too too many stories. No, it was great. <laughs> no, it was great. My background. So I wanted to give you an invite and kind of put a plug in here. Uh, next, so was it next Wednesday? Yeah, next Wednesday, October the second is National Coffee with a Cop Day. Oh, nice. And so several of us will be at the fairgrounds 
handing out coffee. We're going to be brewing some coffee. Thank you to Copper Moon Coffee for uh, donating that. Nice. And so, is that uh, the stand down? It's for the senior health oh, senior fair. Health? Mm-hmm. So if you're close by, stop by. We'll have coffee. I'm not going to try to take your spot, so you don't have to. <laughs> it's just a friendly cup of coffee. But maybe we can practice what for are your, your times. Uh, it is nine a.m. to two p.m. I believe it's around nine to two. Yeah, we'll be there most of the nice. day. Very so stop good. by and have some coffee with us. I sure will. Mm-hmm. Um, seriously, I really appreciate you being here, ma'am. And again, last minute, I literally called her last Thursday. She called me back Friday, and we're here Monday. So I know you're busy. Thank you for fitting it in your schedule. Um, but you picked uh, you picked a good day. I have something eleven o'clock. But I did want to tell you about my district. It does go out the east side now, which you uh, rather than the south end, mm-hmm. uh, it goes out toward Meyer Department Store, oh, oh, the it Brookfield does. Estates, Saddlebrook. Yeah, I have a brand new district as of uh, this last session, two thousand eleven, two thousand. You know, every ten years. Uh, they're working to stop the gerrymandering and to have a nonpartisan uh, League of Women Voters group uh, do the drawing of the districts so uh, that it's more concise. And I think um, this is going to be the reason I mention it before I leave is it's going to be an issue at the state house, along with education, gerrymandering, the League of Women Voters, as well as others, are concerned that a district like Representative Nagels starts in Attica, Fountain, goes to Warren, Benton, Carol, White, uh, Pulaski. She has eight counties, Newton, a little strip of land. And Sharon owns an ice cream shop in Attica that her husband runs, but she also has Wolf's Candies, which is on your way to WLFI TV 18 uh, with the Nice little awning on the left side. Yeah. Um, it was Wolf's Candies, and it started in Market Square, and then she moved to the west side. But Sharon has eight counties, a little strip. And it's certainly a, a gerrymandered district, uh, and we need to look at those. I mean, those are very difficult areas to represent. Uh, and many of our folks in the state, both Republican and Democrat, are concerned uh, about the way some of our districts, congressional as well as state districts, are um, drawn. And so in 2021, we'll have a uh, drawing. It will start in 2000. It'll start in 2020. Uh, but we will live with the districts we're in right now for the next election. Next year. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see for all that are here to see what happens with the districts. Maybe nothing will happen, but I do know that the the House has a commission that's looking at that. Uh, I'm not sure the speaker, uh, mechanical engineer from Purdue, incidentally, Brian Bosma, his two students, his two children went to Purdue, met his wife there. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that Brian wants any districts changed. Um, He's pretty happy with where they are now, and some of the senators are too. So it's difficult to change people's minds sometimes. Uh, But uh, we're certainly working on that, and you'll read about the League of Women Voters if you haven't already. 
uh, being consistently aware of um, how change happens in the state, and this is one that they'd they'd like to see happen. So um, that'll be an issue along with education and health care in the future uh, coming up. Uh, And so um, we hope that law enforcement's part of that too, that you folks are are heard. We do have uh, very good folks that represent you at the State House. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to be here. Well, thank you for being here. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. You have a great rest of the day, and I'm sure I will see you soon. I hope Way so. Way to start the Monday, wouldn't it? That's start right. The week? That's right. Well, you're everywhere, too. Yes, ma'am. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I see police officers at all of our functions, whether it's Cupcake Run or Hunger Hike or Mosey down, Mosey Main, down Street. Main Street. Um, uh, you folks are everywhere, and I think that's why our community is, is such a great community. And I, I know that it's uh, tough. I got a call from an Indian friend of mine, and that's where I'm going next, who has a great friend in South Bend whose son, 24 years old, was killed by a robber uh, in South Bend Friday night. He gave him his money, the money he had, and then he, unfortunately, he uh, left and shot him in a district that was, he was by himself, in a friendly market uh, store, and um, Mr. Singh would like for me to w- work on that because the parents are in India and want to come for the funeral. Those are the kind of things that, you know, you deal with day by day. So that's what I'll be doing when I leave here, trying to get the parents some type of a visa through Suzanne Briette. Susan Briette that worked for Dick Luger 25 years. She's great. She's a uh, Lafayette Urban Ministry working with immigrants and their situations. So uh, it never uh, fails to um, have something that's interesting. Uh, hopefully we don't have those kinds of situations in Lafayette, but I know you're busy. Yes, ma'am. And so are you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, keep it up. Okay. Great seeing you. Great speaking with you. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank Looking you. forward to it. This has been Inside the Squad, a podcast from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by specialist Ian O'Shields and Captain Brian Phillips of the Crime Prevention Unit within the department. On today's show, our guest was Indiana State Representative Sheila Klinker. Sheila was a teacher in the Lafayette School Corporation for more than 34 years and worked as the outreach liaison for the Purdue School of Education for 15 years. Sheila is a member of the Education, Veterans Affairs, and Public Safety, and Ways and Means Committees. Sheila lives in Lafayette with her husband, Vic. They have three children and five grandchildren. You can email us show ideas or questions at podcast.lafayette.in.gov. Join us on Instagram, Twitter, Nixle, and Nextdoor. Thanks for listening.